my uh, roommate in university, you know, he, he loved the fact that I was English because I was almost fresh off the boat then. And he would like, let's go to the bars and talk to girls and stuff. And, and, he yes. would just, and he'd say to girls, he'd say, I can give you an accent just like his. Give me 50 cents. And he'd say, okay, keep a quarter, put the other one under your tongue. And <laughs> Does it kind of work? And it almost kind of worked, right? So it's kind well, of funny. Well, it's a bit like Aussie. It's so, all in the nose. Yeah. And they think it, and the theory is that it was so dusty. So I had to, so I had to keep my mouth shut. And say to each other, oh, Cherry, you see that snowstorm, sandstorm coming they in? They also end everything in O. Don't forget that. And a question, even yeah, though it's a, a statement. <laughs> right, good. We slagged off all of the new countries. Now, yes. I, I am very pro-Commonwealth, so, you know, I, I shouldn't at all be criticising anyone about anything. I think we're ready to begin. Everyone ready? Yeah, you need to clear your throat. <coughs> Told you. You ready, Romeo? You ready, D? You ready, Steve? Sure. Okay. Yeah, I'm fine. Don't worry. I, I, sorry, Pippa. <laughs> just, you know, I could communicate just through, you know, telepathy, telepathic. And Barnet, I can pronounce Barnet. That's correct, isn't it? I say Barnett now. Hello, and welcome to Business Without Bullshit. I'm Andy Uri, and alongside me is my co-host, Pippa Sturt. Hi, Andy. Hello, Pippa. And today we are joined by Steve Barnett, or as the Canadians like to say... How do you say? No, no that Barnett. Right. That's, oh, Canadian. that's how they say it. Yes. The English would say Barnett. Yeah. Oh, bloody hell. I was born at Barnett. I'm bugging it right up. Uh, Steve works for Quadrill, which is a rather large real estate commercial company. They buy, they sell real estate, and he is the chief operating officer. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Nice to be here. Um, so, Steve, we, we like to start with a rather searching question, and there's many answers to this thing. Is, I don't think many people are getting good sleep at the moment. Is What is keeping you up at night? What's keeping me? Um, I, I, two things uh, as a company. I think inflation, obviously, it's a big issue. It's not an English thing or an American thing. It's everywhere in the world and we're seeing it. And obviously, there's quite an impact on the real estate market. You're seeing... Are you, you know, global in terms of real estate? We are global. We have operations in Asia, Europe, obviously, and North America. We're not in places like Africa and we have yeah. limited exposure in South America, but pretty much everywhere else. How does inflation affect property but companies out of interest? everywhere that's inflationary. Yes, everywhere that's inflationary. So it affects it because... What happens is interest rates go up because of inflation and people stop buying. So we're in that, you know, so because you want to, you know, part of it is you, how do you they finance can't leverage it? so easily. Can't leverage so easily. So how much leverage you're going to take? How are you going to find that leverage? What kind of banks are you going to support? How much are you going to pay for this? So that has an immediate impact. I mean, it, it's supposed to be a hedge against inflation to buy real estate because real estate should kind of buoy with it. But in the short term of the buying and selling of it, it, it has these kind of stops and starts to it. So this last year has been um, exceptional from that point of view and what's happened to, to, to what's going on around us. So that's been a big thing. Uh, it's changed our business. We also not just do real estate, but we do real estate debt as well. So we do mortgages for people as well. So that- Gosh. Residential? Was, um, not no, residential, commercial. no, commercial. Yeah. So, or, you know, people building residential buildings. So, um, but what's happened there is that was about the first hit on inflation because obviously the rates were going up. So, you know, people were less- wanting to go out and, and get mortgages because they suddenly they're paying seven or eight percent instead of two or three percent. So it's changed the the marketplace and has put a big shudder through the real estate marketplace in the short as, term. as if COVID hadn't. Yeah, as if COVID had. And I, I'd say that's the Inflation's kind of a short term. We know that it'll eventually kind of get back into some kind of normal normalcy. What, but what's your prediction for timing on that? Uh, probably end of twenty three. 
Okay. So I think we'll kind of slow down, but we'll see. But it's uh, it, it was probably shorter than that six months ago. And so, mm-hmm. you know, there's that kind of thing to it. And then, the, you know, the pandemic, not so much itself, but the effect on the office market has yeah. been huge, right? And we were just touring properties here today in London, and you're seeing like 15% occupancy of some buildings. And, and it's small. And in Canada and the US, it's slightly higher than that, but you're talking like 40 or 50%. You're not talking. We said as low as 15, 1.5% here. 1, 1.5 in some of the buildings that we were looking at today, yeah, the downtown financial district. It's how how is London different to what's going on overseas? Uh, well, I, I think you've got a number of businesses that are global and they have employees everywhere. And so, Work can't doesn't have to be done in the office, so it can be done from home. So arguing that you know banks and insurance companies you can't do that stuff. But why from is home? it so low in London relative to who knows? It's also generally, I suppose, in in London in particular, commuting is not easy. Yeah, I was about to say right? it, it takes like an a hour. lot of yeah. a lot we of all American. Live in zone two. A lot of American cities are based around a car. You just get in your car and you go and you park and you go to work. It's just not like that in, in, in London. Well, and the bigger the city, it's less, it's more like London. So London, New York, New York yeah. um, very much like commuter-based Toronto. Like we notice a difference between Toronto and Vancouver. Mm. The Vancouver commutes are way shorter than Toronto. Although places like Austin, so, for example, that are built around an enormous yeah. motorway. It's yes, like, yeah. and there's space, right, yeah. in, in a place like that. Yeah. Uh, and you see that in t- Texas generally, yeah. you know, some of the other southwestern states, to you get into California, and then, of course, it's just gridlock in L.A., but still all car-based. So we, that's playing out. Uh, you know, it's, it's a longer-term worry for us is how, do, how does the office market play out? Um, and, you know, we've been working with our tenants, you know, even at our own employees. Like, how do we outfit our, our building? Is it, are we set up the right way? Do we need less desks and more soft space and, and social space and collaborative space and private space. And, you know, what brings people into the office? And I think what's become evident over the last year or so is this is this issue is how much is the commute worth? Like yeah. How many yeah. days a week am I going to go in for that commute? And so how do you make an office attractive enough from a number of points of view in terms of having staff present there to draw people into the and office. And it's not, it's not just time, it's cost as well, because people are suddenly, in a way that you never did before COVID, everybody just came into work every day and they acknowledged that part of the cost of their life were travel expenses. And now they're like, oh my God, if I come into the office twice a week, I can't get a season ticket and it's going to cost me this much money. And are you going to pay for that? Yeah, exactly. All of a sudden, it's it's been transferred from in, from uh, being my cost of just going to work because everybody goes into work too. Why aren't you paying well, for Why this? don't you pay for it? Do you find at the scale you operate, because um, Steve, I'm sure would be very humble, but you know, we're talking about an entity of some enormous size underneath it in terms of what they do. Do you find politics plays a part? You know, if I'm a major commercial real estate person. Well, we're actually able to kind of really keep that separate. I mean, even Great. though our parent company is a crown corporation, and that's, I know there's similar crowns in in, in, the, in the UK too. King, but, yeah. Um, but we do keep separate. And Quadreal itself is a private company that has been spin out, spun out of a crown. So we're, we've tried to really keep the politics out of it. And we're very conscious of making sure that we, 
you know, it's almost like a bright line that you just don't cross in what we do. Yeah. Um, you know, because, I mean, yes, we don't want to piss off our own government. Um, you know, that's for sure. But we also want to make sure that we're very clear that we're kind of an apolitical organization. It's a lot easier to do once you're outside of Canada, of course, because, you know, we're just Canadian then, and, and then people just think we're very polite. So it's very nice. So we can go into, the, you know, Europe and the UK and America and Australia and uh, do business relatively easily there. We don't, the politics don't come up. There's always local politics in real estate because, you know, development and what goes on, building permits and how you get them and what the process is and all those kind of things. Uh, one of our developments that we've been involved here is 22 Bishopsgate in the um, financial district, which is a very nice, extremely tall building. Does it have a nickname or not? It doesn't. It's Do doesn't. you need to get it one? Oh, I don't know. The toothbrush. There's the gherkin the and there's the walkie-talkie. And the walkie-talkie. Yeah. So not having a nickname, in fact, is actually kind of benefit because you never know what's going to look like, right? Or what's going to be. Name. But you know that is uh, it, it's an amazing building right there in the in the middle of the city, and we've got some some good partners in it. But we ran into things like that we didn't know about as we were developing it, like light as an asset. Oh, yeah, yeah, right to light. Yeah, right to light. Right, and, we've all got a right to light, by the yes. way. The other yeah. amazing thing about the city that I found out, I only found this out last year. Is that they didn't call the gherkin something else. That's what always blew my <laughs> mind out. There was an okay. obvious word. Okay, simmer down. No, the, the amazing thing is um, around St. Paul's, Yes. right? You can't build in certain places around St. Paul's because you have to be able to have an aspect to St. Paul's from lots of different areas of the city. Damn straight. So that when you look, you look into it from different places, you can see it. And I've always thought that was really cool. That's really cool. Although written by an architect, it probably needs to be punched in the face, but you know. Question I'd love to ask is a major real estate investor. You sit here these days and you're like, well, you know, London's going to be flooded in a couple of years. And so I was like Googling that, like, oh shit. And then I was like, oh, it's all right, I'm on a hill. All right, I'm cool. I keep thinking that I am on a hill. I, I am on a hill. Now is when you're looking at real estate, you have to say, well, what's going to happen when the sea level goes up? Yes, we do. You know, the whole climate change thing is very real and we've recognized that. So even like in our US investing, so for example, there's certain areas of Florida we will not buy into because of the projections of what's going to happen. Florida's not good. Miami's bad. Yes. But, you know, that's just an example. But there's lots of places we we have a sustainability group and they are, you know, five, ten years ago, you would have said to the, those folks, that's nice, go work on the buildings and we'll put solar panels on, do all that kind of stuff. And now those are actually very key to our investment decisions. So they go through a process of looking at the sustainability issues for that location, you know, for that type of building, all those kind of things now that we wouldn't have done 10 years ago. So it's very much at the forefront of not just... Because the value is going to come into play. That's what I, in London, it's not at the moment, but at some point it's going to start being, you can't get a mortgage. Do you worry about earthquakes as well? Well, we do in certain places. Absolutely. Um, You know, so Vancouver and down to LA. Absolutely. The the whole San Andreas fault down the side. One One of the gifts of this country, which there aren't that many, but one of them is the lack of major natural disasters. No earthquake, no volcanoes, no hurricanes, no typhoons. Although Which is why things. we're going to start fracking, so that we can create our own natural our, disasters. Our own natural. Uh, but it's, you know, uh, I feel if we weren't an industrious nation, and some people would argue with that point, you would you would almost worry because it's like it's never it never gets really cold as it does in Canada. You know, yeah. Van- Vancouver's unusual like that, but, you know, Toronto's half underground, you know. Yeah, no, that's right. 
And uh, yeah, and you're right. We don't have the extremes here, and uh, and you don't have the earthquake zone. So yes, there's something nice about that. That's obviously makes it much safer from a an investment point of view when you're looking at all the factors around that. So from a risk point of view, London is much less a risk than San Francisco. I mean, just by the nature. Um, and and even like you say, I mean, we now look at things like storm patterns and those kind of things. So the east coast of the U.S. Um, Whereas it used to be considered, you know, it's not an issue now. You know, we've seen Hurricane Sandy. We've seen even recently yeah, Hurricane Ian. Like there's been uh, some pretty bad storms up the East Coast. So you're seeing building standards change. Buildings are getting more expensive to build, but they're, you know, they should be able to withstand some of these things. But but it's it's you learn something every time you have a disaster. Like in Calgary about six years ago, we had some major floods. And... Everything was fine, like was handled really, really well. But what we found was the infrastructure for the internet is all underground. Oh, bugger. So, you know, because that's what you do is you bury lines now, right? And so we had this fantastic disaster recovery plan. We had this building in downtown Calgary that had all of our data in it. And it was great, except it was like a castle with a moat around it, wow. literally. And the internet couldn't get into the building because it was flooded out. Wow. So, you know, so you learn from that and say, okay, what do you do next time? Uh, but, you know, every time, you, and you try to extrapolate. But, but yeah, there's always something that comes up uh, with each of these disasters that's a, that's a learning factor. But we try to... But we try to very much, as I say, influence our investment decisions on this. And, of course, our operational, like we... You know, we're, we're kind of soup to nuts, especially in Canada. We have the full kind of um, vertical in real estate. So we we run buildings. We worry about the um, the energy components of them, you know, the tenant interaction. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, I talk, we've obviously been looking at things like solar panels, but also how do you just generally reduce the energy costs of buildings? We've got some plans, you know, to have all of our portfolio um, you know, completely self-sufficient within, you know, 25 years. But and, and even doing that, we've got plans that, that we want at the end of this decade, the end of next decade, and so forth, to try to get towards that. So um, that, I don't think it's anything new. All companies are doing it. But when it comes to real estate, I mean, that's that's where you live. That's yeah. where you work. And um, it's a big consideration. Buildings are a big chunk of the uh, carbon output of the, of the, of the uh, world. Right, it's time for our bullshit question. Okay. Is there something you have a massive bugbear about? Yeah, let's discuss one of these. Let's kill it. Something you think is bullshit. Well, what I think is real bullshit is like treadmill desks. Yeah. Have you done it? Have you done a treadmill desk? I haven't myself. You had a boss who did it. Actually, was walking through a building and a CEO of this tech company was on his treadmill in his office, you know, doing this thing while he was talking on the phone or something like that, and with a screen in front of him. So the person on the phone was like, you sound like you're heavy breathing quite dramatically. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> My brother runs a lot, and every time you ring him now, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm running at the moment. No, carry on. But exactly, the breathing is is, is irritating, really, yeah. isn't it? thing is, yeah. I absolutely hate exercise. And <laughs> I really yeah. And so when I used to go to the gym before lockdown, I've now got an exercise break, but when I used to go to the gym, 
I'd go on the treadmill and I would read my book at the same time. And it's actually quite hard to do if it you're is. doing anything other than a brisk walk. The worst thing I found was watching soccer on a treadmill. So you're watching the game and something happens and I find that ah. you know, I'm moving. And you, and you, you, you almost just, go flying. Yeah, it's yeah, stupid. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I learned not to watch games like that on the TV. Baseball's but, okay, but, but stand not up, Stand up, sit down desk. I think they're great. I used to have one in my office, but I would forget to use it. A lot of yeah, a lot of people do. They kind of get set, and the thing is, I'm not in my desk a lot, right? That's the other fallacy about the office world. Yeah. You know, some people are in the desk in their life eight, eight hours. Most people are in meetings and they're walking yeah, around, yeah. they're doing things. So I'm at my desk out of an eight-hour day. I'm probably there, you know, like an hour and a half. So when I'm in there, I just kind of do things, go to the computer, and then you're up and out. But if I do have some things that I'm working on, then I will use that because it's sometimes nice to stand up and be able to adjust. And you can still type and do things do like that. Do you find you feel different psychologically standing up with work? Yes, yes. And it's a different feel? feeling. Um, it's, it, it's, um, it's just different. It just feels like, okay, I can do this for a while. And then it's like after more about... confident, maybe. Yeah, well, and, and you, you feel like... Post. I, I yeah. find I feel a little more like, yeah, less confident, less afraid. It was like, kind of, I'm on this. Or and, like, I, and I'll have it up for like 45 minutes and I was like, ah, okay, now I'll go and sit down again. And, you know, so it works to give you that kind of break or change. I probably should use mine more because I, it happened to me a lot this morning, but I, I have this habit of calling all over my chair and then I'll be in a meeting for an hour and then my leg will be so dead, I can't, I can't get up or anything. Like I have to sort of like... You almost fall onto the floor sometimes. I mean, if I had a camera in my room, people would be like, no, this is that thing gold. when you're, you're like talking to you on Zoom and you've spun the chair around. <laughs> yeah. So stand-up desk, that's something that's like... Yeah, you know, I did think so. But like you I say, said, do it, basically. So sorry, are we, we, we reckon that's business. Right? Yeah, yeah, we reckon that's business. Yeah, and I, like I say, but treadmill desk, I just bullshit. think it's bullshit. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Clark got its start back in 1935 And while the world has changed a bit It's more than just survived From complying with the FCA And all things financy They can also speak fluently In the language of legalese Ori Clark was born and raised Right here in the UK And now for 20 years They've been helping others Get set up and on their way Ori Clark's doors always open and happy to provide straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935. Big shout out to Sean Veer Singh for a stellar jingle. You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music on Instagram. And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review, please, on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. So what we're going to do now is we're going to do a couple of quick fire questions just to orientate us. He says a couple, 10. 10. Okay. And you want to ask these quickly, yeah? Yes. And and we're just, they're just, just to get a sense of who Steve is. So anyway, here we go. This is the quick fire question round DQ the music. Okay, very good. Pippa, let's go. What was your first job? Uh, first job was a newspaper boy in Colchester when I was about 13. First real job was a chartered accountant. 
Yes. Good man. In, in any in any firm that no longer exists. Uh, yes. Well, they're now BDNO, but BDNO. it used to be Dunwoody. Dunwoody. Uh, yeah. So that Very was good. my. Tick, tick. Okay, you can now come to the special accountants party that we've That's got right. going on later. Good. I'm not allowed to that, am I? No, absolutely okay. not. What was your worst job? Worst job? When I was in high school, I worked for the city of Moses Lake, which is in Washington State, in their sewage division. <laughs> and um, actually, it's a very clean environment, but I was the student, you know, on hire, you know, getting paid $2 Send an hour. Send him down to the room, Barry. You know. Well, and they had these fil- filter <laughs> things with filtration arms that go around and things trickle through it and goes through the stones. And they said, well, go clean those arms out. And they're filled with worms. And you basically have to clean them out with a shovel, kind of like a little trowel. You were expecting shit and you got worms. What's uh, worse than shit? Worms? I think worms. And uh, yeah, so I did that for like my my first two weeks on the job. That was not much fun. Holy shit. I mean, the reason we didn't sort our sewage systems out for so long is we've all like hardwired to have this absolute hate of poo. So we all just ran yeah. away from it. So like, oh, I pooed over there, run away, you know, rather than sort of sorting it out. Anyway, sorry. Well, okay. No, 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 go on. Uh, okay, fine. I'll... No, 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 I want to know. I wanna know. Uh, all I was going to say is I heard um, a talk where they said the amazing thing about, or the weird thing about human beings is we're the only animals in the world that basically keep our refuse next to where we live. So like in villages and things in like the medieval times or whatever, like, you know, all the animal poo and the human poo and everything else is right next to where you're cooking and eating and washing. And it's no wonder that everybody died of shit all the time. Literally died of shit. Because they're all catching terrible things. I have, um, well, we're really off piece now, but I, I had a, a theory of how much we should get paid an hour. And, and uh, you know, because if you, if you want to do music, you do 50 people. If you want to work in sewage, if you're prepared to deal with sewage, do 300 pounds an hour, we give you for that. And that's the way that system should work. Anyway. Favourite subject at school? Favourite subject. Um... Well, I loved drama, but uh, math was where I excelled and probably why I became a chemist. Chem- yes. So, I, maths. Yes, yes. What's your special skill? You know, I, I thought that's a tough one. I would. I, I think just talking to people. You're pretty charming, I was about to say. So, if you've got a skill that's better than being sort of just, you know, charming, then, you know. It's definitely partly the accent. It's a <laughs> what, the mixed up accent kind of yeah, does it for you, does it? It's good. Yeah, does it? Yeah. Keep trying to pin it down. Yeah. Um, what did you want to be when you grew up? I uh, I wanted, well, this was back in the day of Thunderbirds, so I wanted to be an astronaut. Ah, Thunderbirds, made in Slough. Can I put oh, Slough right? on the map? There you go. Jerry Anderson, So Slough. did that, and then I wanted to be a chef on a cruise ship. That's, that's very that's specific. specific. Yeah, yes. I know. I, I, I was, I think I was cooking cakes and stuff with my mum, and I thought, why would I want to do this here? Like, I don't I know. I could what's do it on a ship. boat. Yeah. You I obviously don't, don't get seasick. That's the last no. thing I would think of. No, I, and then uh, then it became much more mundane after that. But I think astronaut would have been the fun job. That's what my dad wanted to be. What did your parents want you to be when you grew up? Um, they were, you know, they were pretty encouraging of anything. I think they would, my dad was a teacher. He would have loved me to be into teaching. Really? And my mom was in education as well and my sister was a teacher so there was kind of a theme developing and yeah. I went off into the business world so I went off track you so went to accountancy to I went to the school of accountancy yeah yes uh, what's your go-to karaoke song 
You know, um, I think about that. I think Old Time Rock and Roll by Bob Seger. Oh, look oh, at yeah. that. Twist and Shout by the Twist Beatles. Twist and Shout. I was in, Ferris Bueller. Well, I was kind of in garage bands, right? And did a lot of that. And we used to do like Twist you and play, Shout. You so play an instrument. Play a guitar. So, nice. You yeah, sing so, a little. Uh, I did. Well, I did backup on Twist and Shout, so things uh, like that. Yeah. So, And there was actually, we did a Twist song. Um, I'm trying to think of what it was. It was when I was in, in the States, obviously, I was in my 20s, and we, we did some songs, and there was one from a band out of Colchester, mm. my oh, hometown. Nice. And I thought, oh, this is great. And I got to sing the song, and it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Okay, we're going to have to work that we out. Cryptic, cryptic question there yes. for any uh, listeners at home. Yes. Uh, Col- Colchester band. And it would have been... Famous enough to be on a playlist somewhere deep in Canada. Yeah, in about 1982. 1982. <laughs> there we go. Google away. <laughs> yeah, Google away. Uh, office dogs, business or bullshit? I kind of... You know, I sympathise with it, but I kind of find it's bullshit. Yeah. Um, I've been in a couple of places where we've tried it. Cover your ears. But, um, you know, we actually had a department in one place I worked and we had said we had a dog day and we had something like 40 dogs in it was an absolute disaster uh, for all the reasons you can imagine um, but staff loved it. They thought this was fantastic, but it's it's just not repeatable. You Staff like in. anything that's not work. Though, yeah. Really, don't well, they? So it's like, uh, do you want to do your job or just cuddle this dog? Uh, it's like cake or death. It's yeah. like, you know, I'll, I'll go cake, you know? I mean. Have you ever been fired? I have never been fired. I've been made oh, redundant twice. Really? That's quite nice, though, 50, right? 50. Yeah. Did you choose, or they choose no, you? No, when it's redundant, that means they've decided that your yeah, job's no longer selected. existing. Yeah, yeah. So and I they give you a chunk of cash. And they usually give you a chunk of cash. Well, in this case, I was actually working in government, so they gave me another job. Oh, so okay. It was it my was so friend, kind of and he may get a well. He's my really my very good friend, and uh, he he's been made redundant a few times. And every time it happens, he said, "I said, what happened?" He said, "Made me redundant." I'm about to say, "Oh, I'm so sorry." And he goes. Yes! <laughs> Ka-ching. Ka-ching. And it's about to happen to him again. I think he picks the companies, you know. Uh, nice and strong, but probably going down the pan. Um, what's your vice? Do you have a vice? Uh, chocolate. Chocolate. I love just chocolate. Dark or milk? I could really do I, I love now. dark chocolate. But, you know, when I was young, I started with white chocolate. Remember the Milky Bar kid? Oh. So Jeremy, who's in the building now, has a drawer full of Milky Bars. He's obsessed <laughs> with Milky Bars. Oh, oh look. Oh, the pulled from his drawer yes. a large selection yeah. of 70% cocoa. I noticed cocoa. you just put that back to you. <laughs> <laughs> He's just flashing it. That's, That's all. fine. I noticed you've gone Swiss there, too, which is most yes. upsetting. You, you Swiss the other way. No, no, we're not, not going to take your chocolate. No, no, no. We could have a little chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Surely, come on, it's it. actually the best chocolate in the world. Is it? Yeah. Do you agree? I, it's good. Chocolate. It's Did you really try good. Do you get Cadbury's? Because it tastes weird out there. No, I don't like No, we have Cadbury's. We get lots of that. But wait, you know what? Hershey's. What happens in, in Canada is people go to England, especially English, but they come back with galaxy bars. Oh, That's yeah. the big thing That's you can't get there. Thing? Yeah. It's Just got that slightly creamy... Um, yes. Mm. Yeah. But something about the dark chocolate, which is much more, um, I can't think of a better word, sexual. It's much more um, engaging. <laughs> of course you would go there. You know the word I mean, though. No. I mean, milk chocolate's <laughs> no. not actually got any chocolate. Sorry, white well, chocolate. White chocolate's not I love milk chocolate. Oh, yes. Anyway, that's my Okay. Best. Very good. See, you're an absolute star. And see... Steve has sensibly chosen not to put a large amount of chocolate. <laughs> no, I decided, hey, wait. <laughs> 
Uh, that's it. So thank you so much for doing this, Steve. You've been an absolute delight. Um, so if if there's anything, I don't know, you don't really need to pitch a company, but is there any message you wanted to get out there in the world or people wanted to get in touch with you? How, how are um, you know, I think, uh, it, you know, our company's a pretty exciting company to do business with. And so we're always seeking partners in the real estate space, whether that's on the financing side or, you know, investing in, in various ventures. And so we're somebody to talk to and uh, we're pretty accessible. We've got offices here in London, uh, you know, Hong Kong, New York, LA, as well as in Canada. I, I think uh, we're fun to do business with. So it's, uh, that's how we kind of portray ourselves and we're serious about it at the same time, right? We get things done. And so to find you, it'd be Steve Barnett, Quadrille. Yeah. Uh, and quadrille, does that mean anything? What does quadrille mean? Quadrille was, no, we actually... Four something. It's, it's got four. We actually, there's a, a little island off the coast of, of British real. Columbia called... Um, I like that. It's a little island called Quadra Island. Yeah. And we actually wanted to take that because it meant something to us around Vancouver. Well, Quadra Island. So we said, well, let's be called Quadra and a real estate company. And it was taken Right, the oh. name was taken, yeah. and in fact, it was in the same building we were at. And no way! Small company that owned two condos in Seattle. So we, we like, kicked the door down. down. So we we were you know brainstorming names and everything. So it became Quad Real because of real yeah, estate yeah. and the Quadra part was from Quadra. The Quad part was from Quadra, but. It did allow us the four parts, you know, so we, lots of things we do have four pieces to it because it's quadra. Yeah, that's a nice way. I, I love your, your version of Pippa Four Real is a massive hip hop fan. It's all about being for real. It's yes. It's just, you know, keeping it real. Uh, so I like that. I might, I might start using that in my rap quadrille. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a slightly awkward word with the cues and the R's, but anyway, it I'll is. Work but on uh, it. once you get used to it, we're no, and that's another thing, it's nice to be, we're one of the few in the, in the uh, phone book, so to speak, with a cue in the front. So yeah. Yeah. It works. You and the Queen, of course. Yes, of course. Uh, available well. uh, on speed dial up until recently. <laughs> um, there we go. That's it. Thank you very, very much for joining us. And there you have it. That was this week's episode of Business Without Bullshit. We'll be back with BWB Extra on Thursday. Until then, it's ciao. 